Welcome to the Authentic Wife Show. I'm Beth Rolls, a conscious marriage coach and author of The Authentic Wife, Uncaging Yourself Through Marriage. I help driven moms who love their kids more than they hate their marriage use the conflict in their relationship to become their most authentic selves so they can create a relationship and life they don't want to escape from. Stop waiting for your husband to evolve and start making every day feel like a vacation. You can find my book, tons of free resources, and Happily Ever After, the only marriage-saving coaching program on my website, theauthenticwifeandmom.com. Thanks for joining me today. Let's get started. John, I'm really excited that you're here because you've written a book that sounds like is for all parents of all children, but you specifically gave it a title talking about parents of the anxious, the inflexible, and the neurodiverse. Uh, what research went into this? How did you learn what was best for children when it comes to travel? I know you said you've been a travel writer for a long time. This is what you do. Where yep. did you go to get some information on how to make that experience, which we're all longing for, more enjoyable for parents? Yeah. So when I needed a book like this in the early 2000s, it didn't exist. And I had been a travel writer. So I did start researching how to make travel a little bit easier for people who had children with anxiety and flexibility or who were neurodiverse. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to Tony Atwood, who I sort of cornered at an autism conference. Uh, <laughs> and he's very big in ASD. I uh, had known Dr. Ellen Littman, who's very big in ADHD circles uh, for a very long time. So she was very instrumental in helping me with the book. And then I kind of hit um, a, a wall because I didn't know where else to go to do the interviews. It's not like you can stand on a street corner and say who has autism and, and can't travel. Right. And so I put it aside. I wrote a bunch of fiction books in the meantime. And it wasn't until um, a group called IBCCES came out with a designation called the uh, Certified Autism Travel Professional that I knew exactly how I could write the book. Because here's a group of people who have dedicated themselves to helping this segment of the population. Many of them are special needs parents themselves. Uh, so I was able to interview them. They were very generous with their time. And they introduced me to their clients who, again, were special needs parents. And by 2019, there was a lot more information available on the internet with, you know, chat groups on Facebook and things like that, that I was able to finish the book. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. What challenges, I know that just traveling when my kids were little was the worst thing in the world because we had to pack up like an entire nursery of stuff and the bathtub and the, like just all the things. Yeah. What challenges do parents who have maybe anxious or special needs children, what do they run into when they're? traveling? Well, interestingly, the same group, IBCCES, uh, did a survey in 2018 of a thousand special needs parents and asked them about their travel habits. 87% said they would not travel. 87%. And of those 93% said they would, if they knew where to go and what to do. And if they felt that people would be understanding of their specific needs. Now, IBCCES updated that survey in 2022. And actually, 
uh, that number 87% went down to 78%, which is great. There's 9% more people interested in traveling. Again, that's more than three quarters of a population where one out of every 44 kids in the United States is on the autism spectrum. So that's a huge number of people. Um, and their number one issue, a lot of them were that they didn't want to have their child, they didn't know what was going to happen if their child had a sensory meltdown, since this is a sensory issue in many ways. Um, when the child became overwhelmed, would people think their child was a brat? Would they think they were bad parents? And this was really overwhelmingly a reason they didn't travel. Uh, they also wanted to go places where it would be a little easier and people would understand what they needed. And more and more um, places are becoming certified with the knowledge of how to help those families. So it's easier than it was. Mm, that's good. What about, do you have any tips and tricks for like really little children? I know when my daughter was so young and we strap her in the car for a 12 hour trip, is that just unrealistic yeah. of a parent to try to make that happen? When you say really young, are we talking about an infant? Or are we talking about maybe three or four where they can understand what you're talking about? More like 15 months a year young. Yeah, that wasn't really a focus because they're not really cognizant of what's going on at that point. So I mean, when I had kids that young, I stuck them in my minivan with the TV on. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> what we traveled. But I mean, it's when they get older and you can understand what their needs are, that it becomes easier to make adjustments and, and tweaks for those trips. I mean, for me, it would be really making sure they were dry, making sure they were fed, you know, stopping yeah. every couple of hours to hold them. Uh, I mean, you know your kid better. It's really when they know what's going on and you have to make, I mean, a lot of times at 15 months, you don't know that they have sensory issues. You know, a lot of places won't even designate your child as being on the spectrum until they're three. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. No, she, that's exactly what we did. We downloaded a few seasons of Sesame Street and she just watched those. Yay, Sesame Street. Yes. My child yeah. was, my children were raised on Sesame Street. One loved it. One gravitated more toward Barney. So we, yeah. we don't talk about such a horrible <laughs> thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, one of the first places we took her when she was really little was Disney World. And we also went to Universal. I don't know why we went when she was so little. We just happened to be there. But I noticed a big difference between the two theme parks. Universal was super helpful to us as parents of a young child and Disney, not so much. But what kinds of attractions do you find work best for neurodiverse children? It's a very hard question to answer because all children are different. So mm -hmm. children with anxiety or with um, sensory issues, you would think that they would want to stay as far away from roller coasters as possible. But a huge number of them love roller coasters. They love the wheels going around. They love the action. And they a, a lot of kids with ADHD crave high stim. And what's more high stim than a roller coaster? I mean, I can't even get on a roller coaster. <laughs> right. uh, so mm -hmm. what's interesting is that a lot of theme parks are becoming more and more um, autism friendly. And anything that's autism friendly is also friendly to any child that has issues, uh, whether that means you can keep your stroller as um, a wheelchair so that your child doesn't have to stand for long periods of time while they're on lines, or if it means that there are special fast passes so that they can skip the line and, and get to the front of the line, you know, 
put your name down and then come back. Disney just changed all of their restrictions and you'd have to read what they are. Uh, but more and more parks are becoming, and it's, um, I'm not sure about Universal as much as SeaWorld, Legoland, um, a lot of the, uh, oh, Six Flags, a lot of them are becoming certified. So what that also means is their signage to tell you where there might be smells or bright lights that would be upsetting to your child. There are sensory maps so you know where to go, where a child can decompress. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, things like that are very important to parents with children on the spectrum. Um, I would say always bring your noise canceling headphones and all, always bring dark glasses because even at night, those bright lights can be jarring. Oh, wow. There's a lot of flashing lights at a theme park. And and I have a whole section in my book that's dedicated to this. Mm, that's wonderful. Um, I remember at Disney, the scariest ride was Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> it got dark in there. I'm like, of all the things I thought that was oh. scary, it's not Winnie the Pooh. Oh, How do you help parents uh, or how does the book help parents choose a place to go based on what their child is into is there a way to use those passions to create oh yeah yeah it's a great question um i would say that my book starts off with strategies for how to travel overall and then i go into how to get there uh where to stay and what to do when you are there because you can't spend all your time in the hotel so i talk about creating a child-centric vacation part of that is pacing so you don't want to jam 10 things into a day when one or two might work and then spend the rest of the day, you know, decompressing by the pool in front of the TV mm. uh, or in front of the TV, not, not both, <laughs> um, but also to take advantage of special interests. And this is especially true for children on the spectrum because many of them have unique and circumscribed interests. Um, so if your child is really into dinosaurs, why wouldn't you build a whole vacation around dinosaur museums? You go up to Wyoming, I think there's like 10 in a small area. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I have a whole chapter that just talks about every special interest that I found was true. Even elevators. Some kids just love elevators. And to me, that would be the greatest special interest because there's always an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> But they, they would even go to grain elevators. I mean, there are so many unique special interests, whether it's computer museums or um, gems and, and go to quarries to see excavation of, of um, gems. And um, yeah, just building it around those special interests, I think is a great way to get your child on board because if they have that to look forward to, it makes the more mundane parts of the trip easier to bear. That's a great idea. I'm thinking about my daughter who's really into teaching right now. She wants to be a teacher. I don't know where. <laughs> Send her back to school. I don't, I don't no, know that's a, an interesting idea of where there might be volunteer volunteer opportunities to teach, um, even for children to teach other children. Interesting. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. What about when I'm thinking about my son loves dinosaurs and she loves teaching. How do you manage differing siblings on a trip or do you put a little something in there for both of them yeah I hadn't actually I've been asked about how to handle neuro uh, where family has one neurodiverse and one neurotypical child no one's asked me about competing interests though I would say that there are uh, Atlas Obscura has lists of hundreds and hundreds of special interest museums so you would have to take mm -hmm. the time to find 
or go to a certified autism travel professional. I list where to find them in the book and ask them where you might find uh, a destination that would have both. Um, the teaching is going to be the harder part because those opportunities, that's not a common interest uh, for travel. But mm -hmm. I'm going to look into that because that would be an interesting article. <laughs> I have a blog called Traveling Different that blog uh, follows up my book and uh, oh, supplements yeah. and uh, updates. So that might be something interesting to add. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure with children on the spectrum how many are interested in teaching. Mm. So your child is not so on the spectrum, so it's not an issue. But um, um, yeah, not that we know. We know that she does. Well, we don't know, but we suspect that she has ADHD. So she is more, and she's more highly sensitive and stuff, but she is more outgoing and yeah, and chatty and that kind of thing. So not so much. Uh, but... Yeah. So if you have both neurotypical and neurodiverse, then a lot of times a, a big resort, an all-inclusive resort with the kids club might be a great way for the children to investigate their various interests. Plus you get some time with your partner, mm. so, sort of a respite. So you can have some peace and quiet. Same thing with the major cruise lines and also sports vacations work out really well because there are a lot of individual sports that are great for kids on the spectrum, such as skiing and golf, scuba, mm -hmm. even surfing. Um, and a neurotypical child will want to, you know, perfect their skills or at least practice their skills in that too. So everybody can have a good time. Mm -hmm. I didn't even, I don't know why it didn't dawn on me to think of building a vacation based on interests or sports or anything. I'm always thinking about destinations and that kind yeah. of thing. So I yeah. love this. Yeah, it's true that a lot of people haven't thought about it, but I'm sort of dedicating part of what I'm writing to going after those special interests. Mm, I love that. I know when we were little, we were homeschooled. My mom would build our trips and side ventures based on what we were learning in school. And so that's been on my mind too, but I love that. One thing that you shared with me um, before we started was that basically vacation planning is the same for every parent because it's about predictability. Can you tell me a little bit more about why that's so important? Yeah. All child, all children crave predictability and routine. It's just the way we're programmed. And uh, there is nothing that is let or, or more likely to drag a kid out of their comfort zone than travel because nothing's predictable. So the idea is um, for children on and off the spectrum to make the trip as predictable as possible. So how do you do that? With young children, maybe find picture books with their fame for characters and travel situations. Uh, every destination has a video these days. Thank, thank you, technology. Thank you, YouTube. You can either get it from the travel supplier or you can get it online. You can preview every aspect of the trip and that's going to make it more familiar. This is where the front of the hotel is. This is what the lobby is going to look like. This is what the room is going to look like. So they feel comfortable when it actually happens. You can do role play. You can do something called social stories, which I don't know, um, if, if your listeners are familiar, but Carol Gray has written books about how to uh, write a social story, which is a narrative from the child's point of view that helps them get over certain obstacles. And um, mini experiences are something I talk about a lot, whether that is before you take a cruise, maybe take a ferry ride, before you take a long train ride, maybe take a commuter trip, uh, same thing with a car ride. Um, before you take a tour, maybe do local tours in, in your area to um, 
a zoo, an aquarium, a children's museum, even a flea market and say it's a scavenger hunt, but call it a tour so that if they have a good experience, you can refer back to that as a frame of reference for your real tour. Um, and instead of going and spending thousands on a hotel stay, uh, when the child has never spent a night away from home, first spend the night at a home of a, you know, an empathetic friend or relative and have the child experience what it's like sleeping in a room that's not their own because the triggers will come up and you'll know whether you should bring a nightlight or whether you should bring a fan to drown out the noise from the hallway or whether they need the sheets and towels and blankets from home with that familiar smell and texture. Hmm. Oh, I love that. It all makes sense to build up to it, which is what we try to do with everything. And I was thinking about that when you mentioned the kids clubs, uh, cruises and hotels, because as a formerly mostly anxious parent myself, I'm always worried, like, is that a good situation? Can I trust them? How do we introduce the child to those? Do you find that those, do they hire really wonderful employees? Are they safe for kids? Um, they have the the major cruise lines have employees that are st trained specifically for children on the spectrum. I'm sure they would take a child who is anxious or inflexible too. If you can preview that, they'll also give you a pager or a phone so that you okay. can be in contact quickly and you're never that far away because the ship isn't that big. <laughs> so you can tell them if my child starts acting up, please call me right away and I'll come and get her or him. Um, I have never had a problem. I would like to say I've never had a problem. I've never had a problem with the staff or the care. What I had a problem with is my daughter turned out didn't like kids clubs. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there are children who don't want to be around other children. They prefer to be around adults. Uh, so you know your child and you should go by that. Yeah, I love that's a great tip. Really wonderful. Oh, my, the wheels are turning about places that the, the kids could go now. What about, um, so predictability is important to, to introduce things and build it up for them. What about, um, the importance of routines? Should we be trying to stick to a routine on vacation or just go with the flow? Um, there are some trips that are easier to stick to routine than others. I would say try mm -hmm. if you take a camping trip in, in an RV or whatever, that's going to be maybe your easiest way, uh, because you can, you're, you're in charge, you know, same thing with a car trip. You're in charge. You can decide when you stop, when you have food. Um, so for me, if I was really wanting to stick to routine, I'd pay a, take a car trip and then I'd get um, a vacation rental as opposed to a hotel because then I have my own kitchen. I always recommend having either a hotel with a kitchen or kitchenette or staying in a vacation rental mm -hmm. uh, because that's the way you can keep to routine. Um, there are some families I interviewed for the book that said, well, we, we train, we, we explain to our child that routine is going to be put off for a couple of weeks and we're going to get to try new things. And they try to create excitement for that. Okay. So again, you know, your child, even with cruises, this pretty wide variety of dining times and with buffets, you can pretty much find the food that you want for your child and you can arrange for your nap time. So I think that you could cling to parts of routine, but I think um, explaining in advance what the new routine is going to be and you can even create a visual schedule that will show them with in picture form what will happen. And, and this takes some advanced research, you know, looking at what the schedule is going to be, which is all available online. Many of these cruise lines and resorts have um, apps 
where everything is listed and you can, I would say, this is what we're going to do. And here's the backup plan. If that doesn't happen, like if there's rain, this is what we're going to do. So the cat, the child knows in advance what to expect. Uh, I, the wheels are turning. When you just shared that, if you go in a car or an RV, then you're in charge. I was like, wow, that's why I like to go in those two ways. I hate flying. I just, it really yeah. is like you're out of control and you can't, you just got to yeah. go with it. And it's a lot of, a lot of work to fly. I think hauling well, everybody around and keeping them safe. One of the benefits of a car or RV is that you have lots of room to bring whatever you need from home. You were saying that you bring a bathtub and this and that. So you have that ability with a car where you don't necessarily have it on an airplane. For people who do want to fly, and I, I don't tell them to rule out flying by any means. I, that's my longest chapter in the book is flying. Mm -hmm. um, you can preview it through something called Wings for Autism where they give you, you sign up and you get a dress rehearsal of the entire airport experience. Oh, wow. um, you should also look into TSA cares where they will assign someone. It depends. It varies per airport, but at the very best, they'll assign someone to you that can walk you through, shadow you through security. And I have just signed up. I'm late to the game. So TSA pre-check is like the world's greatest thing because I, they, they checked my um, passport and they got fingerprinted and I had to pay $85 for takes five years. You know, that's not very much a, a year. And I don't have to take off my shoes when I go through security. I don't have to take my computer out of my bag. I don't have to take my coat off. It makes life much easier. If I had a child on the spectrum, I would sign up for TSA pre-check. Okay. That's good to know. I've seen that talked about and didn't know if it was really worth it or not. Oh, uh, the line. There's like no line. When I went through, there was a long line for everyone else. And I just walked through. It was oh, you great. Did a separate line. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> And it was a non-line. I can't guarantee oh, that's always true. But for me in Albany a couple of weeks ago, it was true. And it was wonderful. Oh, that's worth it on its own. Yeah. yeah. Standing in lines. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. What I know you've traveled, sounds like you've traveled all over. What's your favorite place to go? Oh, wow. Such a hard question. Um, I really like Tahiti. Ooh. I really like to go back to Tahiti. Uh, I have a list of places because like, I'm doing travel writing. I have a list of places I'm sort of hoping my editor sends me. Um, <laughs> I, I love Venice. I love Paris. Um, yeah, I I, it's like, I really like Woodlock Pines in the Poconos. When I was traveling with my kids, it was all inclusive and it was wonderful. And people laughed at me and said, you travel all over the world, but you really keep going back to the Poconos. I was like, yeah, because it's a really great resort. Oh, wow. That sounds <laughs> fun. That's not too far yeah. away. I'd love to yeah. go to Tahiti. Is that one where you take your kids or do you leave the kids home for Paris um, and Venice and Tahiti? I, I wasn't, I wasn't married and I didn't have kids when I went to Tahiti. I don't know that I'd be wanting to take that 10 hour. I'm, I'm in New York. So for me, it would be like 11, 12 hours. I, I don't know that I'd rush to do that when I could just take them to the Jersey shore. <laughs> <laughs> but beauty wise, it's really nice. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Someday. That's yeah. the other thing is I have to build myself up to be able to leave them home for even a trip like that. It just feels weird to not have the whole family together but yeah you you get used to it though trust oh. me as <laughs> they get older my kids are now 28 and 25 so I don't have that issue yeah. but um 
when they were younger, I did. How was I going to leave them at home? And thank goodness for my husband, because I was traveling for business and he was able mm. to step in and take care of them. That's good. That's good. Well, this is exciting. I know everybody who's planning their spring break or whatever else they've got on their, their minds for the end of this year and next year are going to be uh, thinking more about how they could create something that's enjoyable for everybody. Oh, yeah. I... I don't know if it's really up your alley or not, but when you were talking about um, kind of preparation and routines and having a kitchen, I was going to say, is it important to have snacks and like food with you all the time? Oh yeah. In <laughs> fact, a go-to bag, and I list the go-to bag in almost every chapter because I'm figuring no one is reading this from beginning to end. They're going and focusing in on their specific mode of travel and where they're staying. Um, so I list the go-to bag and it's always got their favorite snacks, hopefully that are you know non-perishable and aren't going to crumb all over the place as well as um fidget toys and their favorite toys that won't make noise and interrupt people always your noise canceling headphones always a um your electronics filled with favorite movies and sesame street and famous mm -hmm. tv shows um and then there's a bunch of other things listed in in the book that will, you should always carry with you because it just makes life a lot easier, including a change of clothes. <laughs> and that might be for you too, because I was vomited on at the beginning of a oh, flight no. coming home from the Caribbean and oh, no. it was a silk blouse and all I did was pull my cardigan over it because oh. what could I do? It flight oh, was no. taking off. Uh, and the person next to me like said to the stewardess, can, can I have a different seat? And I didn't blame her. <laughs> Oh no, I thank God I've never had that happen to me, but I had a client who had both kids like go on her right when they landed. And, oh, I feel that's gotta oh, yeah. be. It's that and the screaming from the, the pressure in your ears. My, my daughter could not deal with that. And it was very mm -hmm. painful for her. And I had two children screaming. And then I had a husband who took out the vomit bags from the back seat of the, 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 the back pocket of the seat, took out crayons and created barf bag theater. And you know, commemorate, commemorated in the book, and he and it was so popular. He'd do it on every flight after that. But you know, you got to deal with everything with a sense of humor. That's the lesson for um, them. I think that's great life advice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah everything is, is unpredictable. <laughs> oh, I I love that though about the. It took me a long time to realize that as mom, my life would be easier if I brought snacks for everybody, especially my husband who has ADHD. <laughs> like, yeah, if he's got, if everybody's got snacks and everybody's happy and. It was my poor planning that was causing a lot of grief. Yeah. Well, t tell everybody where they can find you and find your book. And Oh, yeah. If you go to travelingdifferent.com, and that's traveling with one L, you'll find where to order. Um, basically, you can get it from Roman and Littlefield, which is my publisher. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You can go to any independent bookstore and either order it online from their website or go in and ask them to order it for you because likely it won't be on the shelves. Um, and on travelingdifferent.com, you can also find, um, my up blog that updates the book and it also, also information if people want to hire me to speak at, uh, you know, for parents groups or, or special needs groups, I'm happy to do that either virtually or in person if you're local. Oh, wonderful. That's awesome. And the book is called traveling different vacation strategies for parents of the anxious, the inflexible and the neurodiverse. And please, if um, ask ask your library to carry it so people who can't afford it can have access to it. That would be a wonderful thing. 
Oh, great idea. I love that. Thank you, Dawn. I'm so happy you joined me today. Thank you. I really appreciate it.